0: And what I found most fascinating about fasting was that it's one of the only ways that we know of to reliably extend lifespan. It's also been shown to help treat, prevent, or delay most major diseases.
1: Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition.
2: What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life.
1: Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities, because life is too short to not feel
2: your best every single day. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 234 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee. I will be your host for today's episode I am missing my longtime co-host, Lauren, my sister, fellow biohacker babe. We have done every episode together until today, but uh, she is prioritizing her health today. And so she couldn't be here. And whatever that means to you all today, prioritizing your health, I hope you are doing it. That's what we advocate here on the show. But I do have a guest coming on for you today. We have Dr. Chris Rhodes from Mimeo coming on. And man, we get into some really cool science behind fasting, how we can mimic fasting with some really novel ingredients. I'm not going to share those with you yet. Stay tuned for that. But he was just such a wealth of information, and he really brings this fun energy to a pretty scientific discussion. A little bit more about him. So Dr. Chris Rhodes, inspired by the power of fasting to enhance lifespan, co-founder Dr. Chris Rhodes spent years researching the human body's response to a 36-hour fast and how it could unlock our built-in longevity bioprograms. In 2022, the first ever prototypes of Mimeo were made, third-party certified and clinically validated to recreate the effects of fasting even during a meal. Just this past year, Mimeo launched its daily biomimetic cell care, helping people across the country harness the transformative power of their own biology to enhance their health span and live at their peak. So if you are new to fasting, if you're experienced with fasting... Wherever in between, I promise you this episode is for you, you know, especially if you have struggled with fasting, you know, Mimeo can really come in and help with that, Um, but it also can mimic fasting if you don't even want to do fasting. So lots of variety. Really, this episode is for everyone, and I'm excited to bring you this conversation. Let me bring him on. Welcome, Dr. Rhodes, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thank you so much for joining us or joining me today. Uh
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, the the big uh, the big reveal. There's only one.
1: <laughs> There's only one surprise. Surprise. Well, thank you. We've been wanting to get you on the show for so long. So we were like, we gotta just record this. I want to get this out to everybody. Uh, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the science of fasting. How we can maybe mimic fasting with some really novel ingredients that you've been studying. Um, really exciting stuff. But before we get into more of that, I would love to hear because I don't know your mission and like what what started your journey on getting interested in fasting and yeah. researching these ingredients
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to uh, give folks some context, I'm Dr. Chris Rhodes. I'm the CEO of Mimeo Health, which is a biomimetic human health company, which essentially means what we're doing is studying actual human biology in these interesting regenerative states of the body, whether that's fasting or exercise or cold exposure or meditation or what have you, and then finding out what's going on. And is there a way that we can kind of recreate the benefits of those states, but but without actually you know having to fast in this case. Um, So what really got me interested in fasting was I got my BS in biochemistry from Loyola Marymount University down in LA, got out, and then like a lot of college kids, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be something in research, but didn't really have anything that I was super passionate about. So I took an immunology fellowship at Stanford, where I just kind of started pouring through all the research I could get my hands on, going to all the seminars I could, and eventually came across healthy aging and longevity as a... um was really, really interesting topic for me because it used to be very mythological, right? It was like, you know, Ponce de Leon and the fountain of youth and yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, like all the, all these folks just like looking for, for eternal life. Um, but now it's this really, really active area of scientific study. And when you're in that, uh, eventually you come across fasting because it's one of the only ways that we know of to reliably extend lifespan. And beyond that, it's also been shown in, you know, thousands of studies to help treat, prevent, or delay most major diseases. And what I found most fascinating about fasting was that it does all of that without actually adding anything into the system. So it's not like this superfood or this wonder drug or, you know, like a drink from the fountain of youth, Right. But somehow fasting is activating this uh, dormant longevity bio program that we already have inside of us, but just isn't always turned on. And when that clicked for me, I got really mad about it, honestly, because I was like, okay, cool. So my body knows how to live to be 120 years old and in perfect health, but it's just not doing it. So I was like, all right, un- unacceptable. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Like I have to, I have to figure out like well, what is going on in the body, you know, during a fast that could be promoting lifespan, activating this, you know, longevity bio program. And is there a way that we can actually recreate that so we can get those benefits, turn on that longevity program, but without actually having to fast? Uh, so that's kind of what I spent my PhD researching. I got my PhD in uh, nutritional biochemistry at UC Davis, and just spent my whole time all um, just researching human fasting, trying to figure out what was going on in the body. And yeah, was there a way that we could recreate it?
1: Oh, I love that. I know the science behind longevity and increasing health span, it just, it, it lights me up. It's so, so fascinating. So with fasting is, is more of the research on longevity with like the caloric restriction? Or is it, the thirty-six hour fast, like where where's the real point? There? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. So when you're talking about longevity and nutrition, yeah, you're eventually going to come across fasting and caloric restriction. Caloric restriction is definitely a bit more established. You know, that was one of the first interventions that was ever identified that could really reliably extend lifespan in model organisms, and usually that's a pretty you know one to one basis. So. If you restrict an organism's calories by 10%, they tend to live about 10% longer, 20% and 20% longer, 30% reduction, 30% elongated lifespan. And that holds pretty, pretty well up until the point of malnutrition, right? And that's where you get into a lot of problems. Um, Another like potential problem with caloric restriction is that Severe prolonged caloric restriction can lead to some, you know, like fairly nasty side effects that people don't really want in terms of quality of life. So, you know, you're going to have a very like frail physique, you're going to have um like, you know, bone density issues potentially, muscle wasting problems, that kind of thing. Plus, it's just like not a very fun intervention to do yeah. for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Um, fasting, on the other hand, is a bit more of like a recent discovery to a certain degree, um, that. a lot of of the papers around fasting and lifespan extension started coming out in around the 80s. Um, And most of the research that's been done there showing lifespan extension with fasting has been done in alternate day fasting. So that's one day of eating, then one day of like complete abstinence from food and water is okay in that model. And then that's just repeated for the entire organism's life. And with that, you can get anywhere between, you know, 30 to, in some cases, 80% lifespan extension. And the really interesting part about that is that it's not dependent entirely on caloric restriction. So they've actually done studies where they've, you know, done fasting, um, and like without any kind of caloric restriction and shown that you can still get these lifespan extension effects. So there are distinct things happening in the system when you fast versus just the energy restriction um, that you might experience during caloric restriction.
1: Mm. Yeah, a good point about the caloric restriction, like it, it wouldn't be super fun. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, I don't want to be 120 if it means I'm like hungry all the time and I have no muscle mass and my bones are on the verge of breaking. So, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, It doesn't doesn't sound fun for anybody. What I like to say is the the best lifespan curve that you can possibly get as a human, right? Is to be like, I'm in perfect health all the way up until I'm, you know, 90 years old. I'm running this marathon and then I just suddenly like drop dead and I have like, you know, no perception of how it happened, but I was just like, yay, death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yay, death. Yeah, that's the goal. Like, just <laughs> go to sleep one night and goodbye. That's yeah. I'm I want to be healthy
0: longer. till my final days.
1: Yeah. And so the other really cool thing about uh, what you're doing with the fasting research is, I think not everyone can fast. You know, um, like I have personally experienced. Like, I have tried to do 24 hour fast. I have tried to do the ProLon um, fasting mimicking diet. But for me, I, I start to lose weight really fast. You know, I'm 37. I'm still in my reproductive years you know, potential hormone imbalance. So let's get into like, why mimicking fasting could be really helpful for those of us that can't fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mimicking fasting is definitely a big area of interest. Because like you said, like fasting, while it has all these amazing, you know, health, health benefits, these longevity benefits, Um, is really just not suitable for everybody. And ironically, it's usually not suitable for the people who could benefit from it the most, like specifically the elderly, right, who are like are more prone to sarcopenia and the bone density issues and really need to like keep their caloric intake up so they have all the nutrients that they need to um, keep on thriving. Um, And it's also, you know, it can be a problem like you were talking about um, for women, especially of the like perimenopausal women who... Um, are still in their reproductive years and have all of those like hormonal cyclings that are going on. Fasting can be pretty disruptive to that. Um, And then, you know, there are just, folks who don't want to do it, right? Like, right, right. And why shouldn't they, you know, why shouldn't they be able to access the power of their biology, right? Like these regenerative systems that are inherent to your cells, but just aren't turned on. Like one of the reasons why I really got into figuring out if there's a way that we can mimic the benefits of fasting was because I was actually doing alternate day fasting for two years while I was at Stanford. You know, I got really into the science of it. Right. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, Amazing. Like I found the fountain of youth. So I started doing alternate day fasting myself and then actually taking my own plasma and my own like immune cells and then checking on their functionality and how it was going. And I could see like in the lab, like when I fast for like up to 60 hours, my cells become um, a lot more resilient to stress. They had like more prolonged longevity. They were less um, autoreactive to immune stimuli. Um, They were like just more antioxidant and protected and all around. So when you see that as like a young researcher where it's like I did something and it actually affects how my cells function, that was like very addicting. <laughs> so I was yeah, like Yeah, I bet. Like this is working, I'm going to do it. Um, but I got to the point where it, there was like you know this big element of social isolation that goes along with it, right? Because you're you know just not um, you're not eating dinner with your family, you're not eating lunch with your coworkers, right? You're kind of just like in your little you know scientific biology efficiency mode and just chugging along. Um, and so one da- one day, I was out on my uh, with my family on a vacation. My sister was there. And I was still doing alternate day fasting, even on the vacation. And she was like, Chris, like, you know, you're, you're going to live longer. Sure. But like, what's the point of living longer if you have to live less? And that really resonated with me. And I was just like, okay, like maybe she's got a point. Maybe there's a better way to do
1: this. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, sis. That was some yeah. good inspiration mm-hmm. there. Very yeah.
0: good there. Yeah. <laughs> important folks.
1: Yeah. I mean, because. I, a huge part of biohacking that I think is really important too is the social connection and having community. And Lauren and I talk about this all the time on the show, like, yeah, we can have all the greatest biohacks and just stay home all day where we have the clean air, clean food, do all the things. But if we're not out and about socializing with people, we're missing a huge part of something that can boost longevity. So yeah, exactly. I love that you think, said that.
0: I think that longevity is like quality of life is really, I think, one of the most important components to longevity, right? Like you were saying before, yeah. no one wants to be like, yeah, I live to be 120 years old. And 20 of those years was like spent bedridden or like cloistered inside in like an airtight chamber with like red lights, just like constantly beaming in, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah.
1: Like something out of Star Trek. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and no friends. It's like, yeah, you're going to outlive all your friends. and then yeah. And then what? So yeah,
0: I am preserved.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's that's a good inspiration. I love that your sister chimed in about that. So I w- I, w- I want to get into the ingredients because yeah. I, I think these are so, so fascinating. But before we do that, something that I think is really important for you to share, because we haven't really talked about this on the show, is mTOR versus AMPK. Mm, and sure. maybe you can explain kind of like a 101, 101, like what those are, what they're doing, why we want both happening in the body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So mTOR stands for mammalian target of rapamycin, um, because that was actually, you know, the way that they originally discovered it. Um, Rapamycin is one of the, you know, another one of the one of the anti-aging interventions, right? And its primary target is mTOR. And mTOR is essentially... A growth um, stimulating pathway within cells. And it's one of the primary growth stimulating pathways. So it's kind of telling your cells, like, all right, let's utilize protein, let's build stuff up, let's um, divide and make new cells. And it's really important for things like muscle growth and development, specifically in adolescence. Um, it's also been pretty highly associated with the aging process. And when you think about that, it makes a lot of sense because. Um, cells only have a certain amount of times that they can actually divide, right, and make new cells. This is called the Hayflick limit, the amount of divisions a cell can do before it essentially becomes um, inert and can't divide anymore. It'd become too much, uh, too damaged, accumulated too much damage over time. So if you have high mTOR stimulation, stimulating cells to constantly divide, then you can, you know, really reach that limit a lot, um, a lot faster, and you can accumulate a lot more damage over time because when cells are in this like high growth mode, they're usually not operating very efficiently and they're usually not operating very clean either. Mm. <laughs> so they'll, like, you know, they'll yeah. be unraveling dna left and right they'll be creating a lot of proteins not necessarily and like you know not really cleaning up after themselves you're not going to be stimulating like autophagy cellular recycling they're just kind of gonna like go as fast as possible because if something goes wrong whatever i'll just make a new cell right so that's okay. kind of you know mTOR is this master um, this master control pathway for you know stimulating cellular growth and these um anabolic pathways that are and really... that could
1: support cancer growth.
0: Yes, exactly. There so, mm-hmm. too,
1: right? Okay. Yeah,
0: that that's a big problem with overstimulating mTOR. Um, is that you do like with more cell division, you just have a lot more chances of getting having something go wrong and having a cancer cell develop.
1: So <laughs> rapamycin as a drug, what I actually don't know how is that working in the body. What is that doing?
0: Yeah. So rapamycin is essentially like it's targeting mTOR and just not it's in it's inhibiting its activities. So that's essentially it. So by inhibiting okay. mTOR, it um, causes lifespan extension because you're basically pumping the brakes on that, um, like overstimulation of growth.
1: Got it. OK.
0: So on the other side of that coin is amp kinase, and amp kinase um, is really interesting. AMPK. Um, is really interesting because it's essentially, um, it's part of more of the catabolic pathways. Um, so it's something that gets stimulated a lot in caloric restriction, a lot during fasting, and it's actually a... Um, it's really highly associated with lipid metabolism and restricted energy metabolism as well. So it's something that, you know, it's stimulation is like kind of like a counterbalance to mTOR in certain ways and that it's going to really tell cells like, all right, let's not grow. Let's like focus on this metabolic efficiency. Let's, you know, start mobilizing our um, stored energy so that we can, um, So that we can kind of like, you know, keep ourselves alive during these periods of energy restriction. Um, and then let's also turn on a lot of these processes that we associate with caloric restriction and fasting, like, you know, the cellular protective mechanisms, the DNA um, conservation and repair, Um, kinase activation is usually pretty important for autophagy as well. So the breakdown of dysfunctional parts like to their constitutive, um, constitutive proteins and then like re-reformation into new and uh, functional proteins and organelles.
2: Mm,
1: okay, awesome. Thank you for that explanation. And so, with AMP kinase, do we so fasting can support that? Um, what about like other biohacks, like cold thermogenesis or saunas? Yeah. Does any of that support? Yeah, that? yeah.
0: You'll you'll see anything that, anything that stimulates energy metabolism um, or anything that stimulates fat metabolism specifically, it usually ends up being an amp kinase activator. So cold exposure therapy for sure, because that's like really activating uncoupling, which, you know, tends to result in white fat to brown fat, beijing through mitochondrial biogenesis. And all of that is kind of like fat metabolism 101, right? We're going to start burning through fat so we can make heat in response to this cold and amkinase is definitely going to be a part of that equation. Um, some other ways, though, there are a lot of different activators of kinase. that like one of the best well-known is metformin. So like that's kind of, you know, mm. the, the counter uh, to rapamycin. So that rapamycin inhibits mTOR, metformin stimulates amkinase. Um, another really popular one in recent days is berberine. Um, uh, that's, you know, that's kind of been touted as like nature's ozempic, which again, makes sense because we're simulating AMP kinase, which is kind of that, you know, catabolism breakdown, fat metabolism kind of pathways, um, you know, and then like berberines, you know, have been shown to be a, a, a very good AMP kinase activator. And then of course we can get into this later, but a lot of the Mimeo, um, ingredients are also AMP kinase activators.
1: Perfect segue. That. Perfect
0: segue. See, ago, it, all, it all came together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, you're answering all my questions. Do you see why we podcast? Because I just want to pick your brain. This is so fun. Oh, okay. I mean, that's <laughs> what I'm here
0: for. You know, you get the PhD yeah. in nutrition, you got you to be comfortable answering all the nutrition questions. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so, so fascinating. Okay, so let's get into the ingredients in Memio. Now, I will let you run with us. Do you have a favorite that you want to kick oh, off I with?
0: I do have a favorite. Well, I think that it's important before we get into all the ingredients is that we know where the ingredients came from so i'll kind of okay. like back to the beginning of the scientific story um so this was what i was doing uh for my phd in uc davis trying to figure out what was happening in the human body during a 36-hour fast um, and what we did for that is that we had 20 people come in 10 men 10 women to avoid a gender bias we had them fast for 36 hours so i was everybody's uh, favorite person in that study Um, But we look and then we look at their before and after um, for their plasma functional metrics. So essentially, you know, how how well were um, they functioning in these like very critical aspects of of health? So what we found was that uh, when we fasted people for 36 hours, they became really functionally enhanced, um, which was really impressive because they were already young, healthy people, but then kind of like became optimized super people after 36 hours of fasting, which is not something that you see in like really any other nutritional intervention. So their plasma became more anti-inflammatory, it became more antioxidant, more cellular protective, um, more cardio protective, you know, their metabolic markers were like way more in check. So everything was functioning a lot more as it should be functioning and in a much more protective mechanism. Um, So we were really curious why that was happening. So we did what's called comprehensive metabolomics, basically looking at all of the small molecule components of the plasma to find differences between the baseline state and the fasting state that could be responsible for causing these cellular effects to happen. And what we found was that there were over 300 significantly elevated metabolites in the fasting um, plasma versus the baseline plasma. And when we screened through those molecules, we were able to find this synergistic combination of four of those metabolites that, when we you know took them and applied them to cells, could recreate these beneficial effects that we were seeing during fasting. And really, really interestingly, because, you know, I was obsessed with the longevity question, we also did a C elegan's lifespan um, model. And what we found was that, we could extend their lifespan by 96% just by supplementation with the these four fasting metabolites. So no fasting required, no caloric restriction. And to kind of like put that in context for you, um, like rapamycin, its lifespan extension in C. elegans, is uh, like nineteen percent metformin's lifespan extension in C. elegans is like thirty six percent, and this you know natural combination of these bioactive fasting metabolites could extend lifespan by ninety six percent. So we were really capturing something really significant that could be explaining you know part of this bio program of longevity that is experienced during wow. fasting.
1: That's huge. Can you share with the audience uh, why you're looking at C. elegans for for research?
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. i not familiar
1: with what they are.
0: Yeah. So C. elegans are essentially like little little roundworms and they're the most popular way to assess lifespan extension interventions kind of like as a as a first step because they share really good sequence homology with humans, ironically. Um, And then they only live naturally for about a month. So you can do like really high throughput experiments looking at a lot of different um, interventions to see how they extend lifespan in C. elegans and then kind of start translating up from there. The really cool part about what we did in our study is that most people take that kind of like bottom up approach, right? They're looking for things that extend lifespan in C. elegans and then kind of hope that that translates up into mice and then like hope again again, that that translates up into humans, whereas we start with humans, right? And we're like, okay, we know that these things can activate these beneficial pathways in human cells already. Let's just see what happens in C. elegans. And we got this great lifespan extension result. So all the molecules that we're working with, because they're coming from human biology, have this, you know, immediate translatability into human health.
2: Mm. I can see clearly with my glasses on. Oh, didn't know I was recording. Okay, hey, biohackers, are you spending long hours in front of screens and feeling the strain in your eyes or struggling with poor sleep? Well, we've got a game changer for you. Do, 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 introducing Filter Optics, the ultimate solution to combat the negative effects of blue light. In today's digital age, we are surrounded by screens from our computers to phones, TVs, and ambient lighting. Did you know that overexposure to artificial blue light has been linked to various health issues such as depression, anxiety, cancer, diabetes, and heart disease? It is time to take control of our well-being with this easy, easy, oh-so-easy-to-implement biohack. Filter Optics, the premium blue light blocking glasses designed to remove eye strain, lower stress, and improve our sleep quality. These glasses aren't just a fashion statement, though they look so, so cool. They're a science-based solution to the problems caused by prolonged exposure to blue light. What sets filter optics apart is that they come in four different lenses, each scientifically formulated and lab-tested for optimal blue light blocking. You can choose from clear, yellow, orange, and red lenses tailored to meet your specific needs and preferences, and we do not know another company offering this many choices. The clear lens is perfect for daytime use, offering subtle protection without altering your color perception. The yellow lens enhances contrast and reduces eye strain, making it really ideal for those long work hours. The orange lens is your go-to for the evening, helping to unwind and prepare for a restful night's sleep. And of course, our red lens is the ultimate sleep aid, blocking the most disruptive wavelengths of blue light right before you go to sleep. Say goodbye to digital eye fatigue and hello to improved health and wellness. Filter optics is not just a pair of glasses, but a true investment in your long-term health, productivity, and general superhumanness. If these sound like the glasses you have been waiting for, head over to FilterOptics.com backslash babes and use discount code BiohackerBabes to save 15% on your order. That is FilterOptics with an xcom dot com backslash and use discount code BiohackerBabes to save 15%. We are on a mission to normalize blue light blocking glasses everywhere we go, and we hope you'll join us. All right, Biohackers, let's get back to the show. That I mean,
1: that's so important because yeah, I don't care if it's like extending, you know, monkeys and mice right, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, if it doesn't translate, then who cares?
0: Yeah. So, and that's why we focus so cool. much on like this biomimetic approach, which is something that's really unique to us that no one else is really doing in the supplement space right now. But, you know, it's always kind of been like an obvious philosophy to me where it's like, if you want to design something that's going to help a human, you should probably, you know, start in humans.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then when they're safe, natural compounds, you can do that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So what what are so what compounds?
0: are they? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> tell us, tell us.
0: Yeah. So uh, we have we have four compounds in the Mimeo formulation that we identified that had these you know synergistic effects together. One was nicotinamide. Um, the other was spermidine, um, palmitoyl ethanolamide. PEA for short because it's always, you know, fun to say and then even more fun to say oleoilethanolamide OEA um, and these are all like very interesting molecules that we found were upregulated during a 36-hour fast. And were only really significantly upregulated during a 36-hour fast. So these aren't molecules that your body is like typically making in high levels on a day-to-day basis. And you'll really only experience these like high elevated levels of them if you were to go into 36 hours of fasting.
1: So these are endog- endogenously produced?
0: Yeah, that's from right.
1: Fa- okay, wow.
0: That's right. Yeah, so every yeah, everything that we identified from the fasting study are all natural molecules that the body produces in response to fasting. And usually, like, especially in the case of these four, uniquely produces in response to fasting. So you won't just get them on a normal, you know, like day-to-day three meals plus snacks kind of eating regimen.
2: Yeah, I think
1: the average American eats like 13 times a day.
0: Oh, my gosh. I think
1: if they count like every time they put something yeah, with calories right. in, like counting drinks, snacks. Yeah, it's that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that that is a <laughs> bananas statistic to me. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that's the average.
0: Yeah. And there's
1: people like us that are keeping that average way low.
0: <laughs> so someone know, is on yeah. the high end. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm like, I'm, I'm usually sticking pretty much like a one meal a day cadence. So like, I can't even okay. imagine, like, how do we, how do you? how do you get 13 (laughs) in, like in, in, in one day? It's all, it's crazy to me.
1: Yeah. The people just have like, you know, snack bowl on their desk. They're just grazing all day. I mean, I'm I'm probably maybe like a three, three a day, maybe four, maybe four at the most, um, depending on how much I'm working out that day. But, but then people are eating in the middle of the night as well. They wake up, they go down to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So you got to count that too.
0: And maximizing yeah. their waking out. Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no one listening is doing that. I know. I know our listeners know better. Great. So let's talk about maybe nicotinamide, because I think this is a really popular compound. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, NAD for longevity, the IVs and all the things are becoming really popular. So let's let's start with that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, nicotinamide is essentially you know the big precursor um, to NAD, and it's a little bit distinct from some of the other um, the other NAD precursors that are out there right now, like nicotinamide riboside and nicotinamide mononucleotide because it's kind of even more upstream from both of those molecules as well. So nicotinamide is probably, you know, the the most well-studied of all of those because we've been able to study nicotinamide for decades and decades, you know, before now. So there's a really robust amount of clinical evidence for its uh, beneficial effects. But we do know that, you know, one of the primary things that it does is increase cellular NAD levels and that's really important because um, NAD is essentially the primary nutrient sensing uh, molecule in your uh in, in your in your cells. one of the primary ways that your cells will sense the actual energy state of their compartment. Um, so the if you, when you have more NAD plus versus like NADH, um, then you'll be, sending that signal that there's not a lot of energy around, you're probably in like a caloric restricted or a fasted state. And then that kind of behaves as this master, uh, master signal to the rest of the cell to start putting those catabolic fasting pathways in place, starting to um, alter DNA transcription through certs, right to, um, protect the DNA, but then also like, you know, not produce as much, start maximizing metabolic efficiency, start putting autophagy like in, in place. And so that's primarily what nicotinamide is doing. We also identified from the data set um, that one of the, one of these really interesting metabolites was one methyl nicotinamide, which is a downstream product of nicotinamide metabolism. Um, And so that actually has its own kind of distinct effects. It used to be the thought of as this breakdown product of nicotinamide that didn't really do anything. But now, like more and more recent evidence has shown that it has these cardioprotective effects, it has these exercise performance effects, and these pretty powerful anti-inflammatory effects as well. And that's something that thanks to the nicotinamide supplementation, uh, we've been able to show gets pretty highly upregulated in the body, um, just through nicotinamide supplementation, your body kind of like produces it from that. So that's something that like, you know, we're, we're focusing on like raising up as well. So both increasing NAD levels and then the circulating levels of one methyl nicotinamide.
1: Mm, okay. And what about dosing with that? I know, I mean, you've done a lot of research on what yeah. dose to put in MIMEO to actually see results.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, we actually did a pilot clinical study that was looking at um, like the pharmacokinetics and like the dosing of the actual formulation. And we were able to show um, And what we did for that was basically did a low dose, medium dose and high dose that translated to, you know, 1x, 2x and 3x of the various concentrations of the molecules. Um, And what we found was that Um, Even the low dose was like effective at achieving a lot of these beneficial effects of fasting, raising the levels of circulation of all of these fasting metabolites within the body. Um, Even during a meal, that was kind of like the big significant thing. What we did for that was we had people come in, eat a standardized breakfast alongside a placebo, um, and then we assessed their plasma functionalities and their blood concentrations of the metabolites. Uh, Then we had those same people come back, eat that same standardized breakfast, but then with supplementation with Mimeo and did the same thing. And what we found was that, you know, when people – ate the standardized breakfast alongside the placebo, there was this big loss of plasma functionality, right? So um, their plasma became more pro-inflammatory, less antioxidant, less cardioprotective. You know, their their metabolic markers were all over the place, which is really typical of the postprandial response, the post-eating response, all this foreign material coming into the body, all of these nutrients kind of throwing the system out of homeostasis into metabolic chaos. Um, and of course you know none of the fasting metabolites showed up in circulation then because it was just the placebo what we found in um, the Mimeo supplementation arms was that not only were we able to prevent all of that loss of function that happened from the meal, we were actually able to add gains of function on top of that. That mimicked what we saw when people were fasting. So instead of being pro-inflammatory, their plasma became anti-inflammatory and antioxidant, and cardioprotective, and had better uh, metabolic markers. So like really, really interesting being able to recapitulate these fasting benefits, even when people are eating and even at the low dose of these molecules. So what we have in there right now is kind of this like uh, as as what's sold as the product is this um, is this combination of the molecule that we identified, you know, had this clinical efficacy through our dosing studies.
1: Awesome. All right. I'm sure everyone's really excited to hear they can still eat.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can still eat and
1: take this. That is the good news. Yeah. Very cool. And then if I can jump to spermidine, how did you come across that? And I'm going to jump ahead and also ask, can you take too much spermidine? What's up, biohackers? Do you know if you're getting enough magnesium? Because four out of five Americans are not. And that's a big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 500 biochemical reactions in your body and probably many, many more. So today we want to talk to you about the most common signs to look for that could indicate that you are magnesium deficient. Listen carefully because there's going to be a special offer happening at the end, but here's the list. Are you irritable or anxious? Do you struggle with insomnia? Do you experience muscle cramps or twitches? Do you have high blood pressure? Are you constipated sometimes? There are dozens of symptoms of magnesium deficiency, but really these are the top and most common ones we see today. Now, what most people don't know is you can't just run to the store and grab any magnesium supplement off the shelf because a lot of them actually don't work. They're using really cheap magnesium, and then your body can't even absorb it. And that's why we really like recommending Magnesium Breakthrough. It's full-spectrum magnesium. It has seven unique forms of magnesium in it, and then your body can actually use those and absorb them. And what's really cool about Bioptimizers in general if you don't like the supplements, you can get a full refund, no questions asked. They're so confident behind all of their products that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So if you're concerned about your magnesium levels and you want to give it a try, head over to biooptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes. I'll put that in the show notes too, so it's easy to find. And then use promo code at checkout, biohackerbabes10. That will get you a discount plus... If you act fast before they run out, they are offering two travel size bottles of the magnesium breakthrough with your order. All right, so biohackerbabes. All right, let's get back to the show.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, so spermidine, spermidine is interesting. Like number one, it's got a goofy name, but that's just because of where it uh, it was first isolated, right? Um, but it's yeah. one of the, it's most well known for being an autophagy inducer, essentially. Um, so that's like again that. Cleanup and recycling cycle that the cell will go through, especially in times of energy restriction, because one of the primary purposes of autophagy is to break down anything that's dysfunctional um, and then recycle those components into new functional things so that we can harvest as much energy as possible and be as metabolically efficient as possible when we need to be. The mechanism of action of spermidine is interesting because we don't entirely understand it right now, um, but we know that spermidine is inhibiting an inhibitor of autophagy, but it's not, you know, like directly like inhibiting mTOR or some one of these other master pathways. In terms of whether or not we can take too much spermidine, I would say that we by and large are probably not taking enough spermidine um what we you know there there's been um there's been food analysis studies um showing that like a Um, like the optimal levels of spermidine are probably around like 28 to 30 milligrams per day. And an average American is probably eating somewhere in the range of like, you know, five to eight milligrams of spermidine per day. And even that's like a pretty high estimate. um, And and is really dependent upon what foods you're taking in. Um, Most spermidine supplements out there right now will be anywhere between five to 10 milligrams. um, And that's, of kind of two reasons one of them is because of the expense of getting purified spermidine right now because it's a pretty new molecule there's not a lot of established supply chains in place Um, but then number two there's like still some, you know, like still some regulatory concerns from the FDA just around, you know, like what the upper upper limits might be. Um, but I, I would say that as we you know, like continue to move forward in like our scientific understanding, uh, we we're going to see higher and higher doses of spermidine, and I don't think it's going to be a problem.
1: Okay, good to know. Because I'm noticing it, it's popping up in a lo- in a lot more supplements now.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, companies absolutely. are just
1: throwing in it. And how much is in the Mimeo?
0: Yeah. Uh, So Mimeo contains uh, a daily dose of Mimeo contains five milligrams of spermidine, Uh and that's a little bit less than what you'll see in some of the other supplements. Um, But that is, that is actually because like, number one, it's our clinically validated dose. So we know that, you know, within the context of the full Mimeo formulation, that is like clinically effective, but then number two, and one of the big reasons why Mimeo and our whole biomimetic approach is so cool is that we identified that these molecules have synergy with each other. So when we were looking at that C. elegans lifespan extension curve, you know, we looked at the full mimeo combination together, of course, but then we also looked at the individual ingredients. And what we found was that on their own, they could all extend lifespan by, you know, 5%, 10%, you know, 24%, whatever it was, but together, they got to that 96% lifespan extension mark. And you saw that mm-hmm. in the in the cellular assays as well. They all performed well on their own, but way, way better together. So we use the dose of spermidine that we have right now because in combination with all these other molecules, you know, you're getting a much higher effective dose and just effect in general um, because the molecules are working together.
1: Got it. Yeah. The synergistic effects. Makes yeah. such a difference. So,
0: okay. Exactly.
1: Very cool. Yeah. I'm a big fan of spermidine. And actually, Lauren and I have both seen um, it helps a lot with gray hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah.
1: like, I mean, uh, you know, hopefully it's also making us live longer, but the beauty effects that uh, it doesn't hurt to I mean, have that. that.
0: That's one of the, that's one of the <laughs> things about nicotinamide, too. It's really, really great for your skin.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah,
0: like there yeah, it's got a lot yeah. a lot of research behind it on being great for like um, redness specifically, some psoriasis. Um, but then also yeah, helping to actually just increase skin hydration and glow.
1: Love that. Okay. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, I'll take okay. it. Okay. And then okay, and then the other two ingredients I had I have never even heard of these and I appreciate that there are easier ways to say these. So I'm going to ask you about OEA. I know yep. you already pronounced it, but OEA, this is it's so fascinating. I was reading that it's um you guys say it's like a metabolic supercharger. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that it helps control hunger and cravings. Yep. Which right. I can see being really helpful even if you are fasting. If you're fasting and wanted to take this because that's the biggest complaint when you're fasting is you're hungry, but um talk about maybe using this even when you are eating and not fasting what what's going on with this ingredient
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, OEA is really, really interesting. It is one of my favorites, but not my top favorite. So like process of elimination, we'll get to that. But okay. <laughs> OEA is really, really cool. So it is involved in the gut brain axis. It's um, secreted by intestinal cells and essentially, yeah, helps stimulate hunger or sorry, it helps stimulate satiety and reduce hunger. Um, and typically, up until our study, people thought that OEA was primarily produced in response to eating. So like, you know, food would come in, your intestines would be like, okay, great. Here's some OEA, like you're, you're full now. Um, Mm -hmm. We found that, you know, it was while it was elevated after a meal, it was really, really elevated during a 36 hour fast. And I think that that's actually the body's way of kind of, you know, giving you a little bit of a break, right? Because like, it doesn't do the body any good to just be like in crippling hunger pain all the time when you're fasting, because you got to go out there and, you know, like hunt down food, gather some berries, whatever it is to, you know, get your get yourself surviving. So I think that the body actually developed this mechanism of suppressing hunger during fasting um, through OEA. Um, And that's primarily, you know, what we have seen as well. Um, We're partnered up with a lot of different um, longevity clinics around the country who have actually been using Mimeo as a way to help wean people off of the GLP-1 agonist drugs like Ozembic and Wegovi because it has this like powerful appetite suppression effect. So it can help uh, reduce that hunger withdrawal that people typically experience when they come off of something like Ozembic.
1: Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that's so important because it's like, it's all the rage right now. Everyone's taking these drugs. So, um, yeah, to have yeah. a natural compound that can help with that is huge. And do you think maybe that's why, so I've never done more than a 24 hour fast. So I have never experienced the relief of hunger, but I've had a lot of people say that do three or five day fast. They say the first day is the hardest
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and because sure. of that. Yeah. And like physiologically speaking, that makes a lot of sense, too, because you don't really get into true blue fasting metabolism until at least like 24 hours of fasting, because that's around the amount of time that it takes for your body to fully deplete your glycogen stores um, and really start switching over from carb metabolism, glucose metabolism to like fat metabolism and ketone body metabolism. And that's really where you see a lot of the benefits of fasting start to appear.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that like ketone high that people talk about. I can't say that I've really experienced that. I mean, I've taken exogenous ketones and felt a little mental boost but never from like a pure fast so yeah yeah that's and fascinating that, and that's
0: fair like a, th- a three-day yeah. fast is definitely something that a lot of people will never really experience so like kudos, yeah. kudos to your friends
1: <laughs> yeah i mean the, i'm talking about biohacker friends you know yeah, that have done all the things yeah <laughs> all the experiments but yeah okay. what's
0: really interesting about oea too like you know to your point of like being that like you know beneficial when you actually fast, Um, you know, Mimeo, while yes, we've shown that it can be used as a fasting mimetic and get these benefits of fasting, even when you're eating. I, it's actually like really great as a fasting enhancer as well, uh, because, you know, a lot of people typically aren't getting to that 36 hour mark, right? And these, mo- these metabolites, yeah. that's when they're really going to be elevated. So we can kind of help to accelerate the benefits of the fast that you're going to get, give you the longer term benefits uh, in a shorter fasting window, while also helping make the fast itself easier with these cool effects on hunger suppression and mood elevation and, um, you know, energy production.
1: Mm. That's great. So could you, could you up the dose during a fast or would you still keep it to the normal servings?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, it depends on what kind of fast that you were doing. I would say if you're going beyond a 36 hour fast, you probably don't really have to take Mimeo because your body's going to be producing these metabolites already. Although Mimeo can be really helpful to kind of like transition you in there and kind of like, you know, maintain that appetite suppression effect. Um but yeah like if you're if you're going to do more than a 36 hour fast you're going to go to like 72 hours you can use Mimeo to like transition into that but once you get into the later stages it probably won't be all that necessary.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, last but not least, I'm going to guess oh, that yeah. I'm going to guess that PEA is your favorite.
0: PEA is my favorite. I really, really love PEA. And I love it for two reasons. Um, Number one, it was our best individual lifespan extender. So like on its own, it could extend lifespan by around 36%. Um, So like, you know, behaving as powerfully as metformin does in that same model, but um, it does it at nanomolar concentrations. So like it's a really, really powerful, um, really, really powerful molecule that has these really outsized effects at these like lower dosages that you can actually, you know, experience as a human. Whereas like a lot of the longevity studies that end up happening in mice, we're using incredibly high dosage that you can't really even approach with current supplements. So PEA and OEA, um, you know, they're, they're both like very, very powerful at these very low, um, low concentration levels because they're lipid derivatives and they're like um they're just that's kind of where you see the best bioactivity usually lipids are really really bioactive at really small concentrations whereas water soluble things um, tend to need higher concentrations to achieve things um so that's one of the reasons why i really like it it's our best lifespan extender at the lowest concentration another reason why i really like it is because it has more of the tangible like effects you can feel on a day-to-day basis. So it's involved in the it's an endocannabinoid and it's involved um in Traveling to neurons and actually stimulating the secretion of anandamide, which is one of the body's like bliss molecules. So it's been shown in clinical studies to be really helpful for um, mood elevation and helping to um, helping to treat some um, neurodegenerative disorders and some mood disorders as well, like schizophrenia, anxiety, and depression. Um, but then it also has this really powerful pain relief effect that's been proven out in multiple, multiple clinical studies as well. Um, In addition to then having also very powerful like effects on neuroinflammation. So really great for cognition, really great for brain health, helps to actually like reduce overall pain while also, you know, like, Reducing systemic inflammation, um, decreasing gut permeability, um, decreasing gut inflammation, things like that. Just like tons of tons of cool stuff on PEA as kind of this master regulator of the of the like immune system and pain system. I kind of think about it as your body's natural CBD, right? Mm. Because it's that like endocannabinoid thing and operates through the CB1 and CB2 receptor, but it's totally water compliant and just like, you know, a natural human molecule. So that's why I really like PEA because the first time that I took it, it was one of those things where I was like, I can actually feel this working <laughs> Oh, nice! Um, and, I was, and I got really excited about it. Some people don't like, you know, I'm, I'm more sensitive to PEA than others are, but it was, it was the thing for me that kind of just lit me up. And I was like, wow, like this product is like, is it working for me and it's giving me these day-to-day benefits that I really enjoy.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's always nice to feel something with a product. I, I think people are looking for that. I mean, I, I'm, I will happily take things because the research is there, but when you feel something, it's like an added, added benefit. Yeah, um, exactly. It's so fascinating about PEA. I, I've, Really, I'm not familiar with that. And I would imagine that would help with any of the uh, cranky pants that people get when they fast. So, yes,
0: exactly. That, and that's the great <laughs> yeah. thing about it. And what's so interesting about this formula, too, is that, you know, we do have nicotinamide and spermidine in there, which are more of like the canonical longevity molecules. But we were really the first to show that OEA and PEA do also have these lifespan extension effects that they synergize with the rest of this formulation. And then that, like, they, they can achieve these outsized longevity effects at these really low concentrations. Um, So that's kind of, you know, this really exciting thing that we're trying to now get the word out about where it's like, yeah, OEA and PEA, like they're the next big thing in longevity, right? Because like not do they have these like great outsized lifespan extension effects, but then they also have these amazing like day-to-day benefits that people actually want in their lives.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully people heard it here first. OEA (laughs) and PEA. What Have you done any testing with like a biological age test?
0: We have on these, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We have. So okay. we recently did um, some case studies out of Mount Sinai, and showed that eight weeks of supplementation with the full Mimeo formulation was able to decrease biological age by two and a half years. So that was like wow, really impressive for us. And then, like in in addition to that, we also had like pretty comprehensive blood work done and showed that we could increase. Um, like free testosterone levels by 50% and DHEA levels um, by around 50% as well, which is really impressive. Uh, We were able to decrease total cholesterol levels while increasing HDL levels and reducing LDL levels, decreasing HbA1c levels, glucose levels, Um, so kind of just like really operating on a big, um, metabolic scale to kind of help put things where they, where they should be and get them in a, like a healthier range while also, you know, decreasing biological age at the same time. So we're really, really happy with, uh, with those. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. And you said it was eight weeks
0: it was just yeah it was just eight weeks wow. and we were Very we were cool. basically like looking at it month over month to see like where like where are we going to be able to find this reduction in biological age um because you know Mo- the the conventional knowledge is you need a pretty long time in order to really affect biological age. And there haven't been a ton of interventional studies looking at that yet. So it's kind of more of a hypothesis. But we found that, yeah, like eight weeks with the Mimeo supplementation was sufficient in order to reduce biological age by that amount.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I wonder if anyone in the, uh, it's like the biological age Olympics. I'm forgetting the name of the.
0: Oh, yeah. The the one that uh, Brian Johnson is Brian doing. John- yeah, Blue he's Day. like
1: he's usually like number one in that. Yeah. Um, oh, I
0: believe it. Yeah. Like if you have the $2 million to spend on your personal longevity, you should be a front runner.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No excuses there. You have all the time and all the money. So, but yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, I would well, love to close out with recommendations for use for people, yep. best time of day, take it every day to cycle on and off. Any recommendations there?
0: Yeah. So usually, um, you know, what we've seen, uh, you can take it with or without food. Um, Some people do, however, have a genetic sensitivity to niacin, which means if they take it like without food, it could be too much for their systems. And usually there's some like GI distress that can happen there. So we always recommend that um, folks that know that they have that sensitivity take it with food, or if they experience the GI effects should take it with food. But for the most part, you can take it with or without food as you know, like a fasting enhancer, like we were talking about before to, you know, get those longer term benefits in a shorter fasting window while also making fasting easier and more enjoyable. Or you can use it, you know, as a fasting mimetic. Usually we end up, uh, we, we recommend taking it with your first major meal of the day to kind of, you know, extend the natural fast that you were getting from sleeping or your overnight fast, and then really help to um, control hunger from that meal throughout the day. Um, And then consistent use is usually what we recommend as well, um, because that's what the data says for us when we do that lifespan extension analysis. It was consistent supplementation throughout the lifespan of the C. elegans, um, and that's where we saw the 96% extension. So there doesn't seem to be any detrimental effect of, you know, lifelong consistent exposure. Um, And that's typically what we'll recommend. However, I do also think, you know, just being a a good nutrition scientist, that there's always a a place for cycling just to kind of, you know, basically do like a reset of the system. Right. And introduce things back at a one by one cadence to see like, all right, which supplements that are in my stack are really working for me. Um, and which ones do I like notice being off of and notice being on? Because that can like, you know, like more attune you to your body and help you see see what's happening there. And if you do want to cycle, I would say probably, you know, like two months on, two weeks off, three mo- three months on, two weeks off, something like that.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. I naturally kind of cycle my supplements just like when the bottle runs out then I take like a week or two off while I'm ordering it and waiting for it to come. It's just like a natural thing. So I appreciate yeah, that, go. that, um, concept. All right. I have one final question for you.
0: Absolutely. If you can
1: leave our audience with just one final piece of advice, something they can do to optimize their health and wellness. It doesn't have to be related to fasting. It can be anything in the health spectrum.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's probably going to be related to fasting.
1: <laughs> That's fine too. That's fine too. Yeah,
0: I would I mean like I would definitely recommend that everybody at some point in your life, and I know that it's going to be like a big ask, but do at least like one 36-hour fast. And the reason I say that is cuz like yes, there's the health and longevity benefits of it, but especially if you have like some kind of like bad relationship with food, um my first experience fasting was incredibly empowering for me because throughout the whole day I was convinced that I was going to die <laughs> right like I've yeah. just been I've just been like inundated since I was a kid with like you have to eat three meals a day or else like your stomach is literally going to like start eating you and like you're not going to be able to make it you're going to be like weak and fragile and whatever But I got through the whole day and like it was hard because I did have that like fear. I couldn't fall asleep. I was like, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow.
1: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like
0: lo and behold, I did. I did wake up the next day. um, And I just it was it was really liberating for me because it helped me realize that I don't have to have that, you know, like, eat because I have to relationship with food, I can have the eat because I want to relationship with food. And I can, you know, choose not to have something just because I think that like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. And you know, like pizza is the only thing available and I have to eat. So I'm going to have this slice of pizza, I can just be like, no, I just I don't I don't need to eat, right. Um, So it just really helped me develop a better relationship with food overall. And when you have that um, and we have that empowerment and that like self-control element of it, that's going to carry over into your health and wellness long term, big time, because um, the number one thing that's going to be determinant of your longevity and your long term health is really, I think, going to be nutrition and exercise. Right. So if you can get like one side of that coin nailed down, (laughs) that's going to be a big help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Okay. Maybe I'll revisit the 36 hour fast personally, but I'll I'll add the Mimeo to my routine. To there you go. We're here, we're
0: here to help make it easier.
1: <laughs> Thank you. We need that. We need that. Wonderful. Great. So I will put in the show notes for anyone that is interested in learning more. I'll put the link to Mimeo, uh, also your Instagram page. I'll link to that. And I know we have a discount code for everyone listening. I'll put that in there. Uh, anywhere else people should be following you?
0: Um, yeah, you can see us at MimeoHealth.com, M-I-M-I-O Health.com, and then at Mimeo health across all channels. And okay. if you want to see more of me, I also have my own personal TikTok that's at that nutrition doctor, D-R, not actual doctor. Um, and yeah, you can watch me scream about nutrition into my bathroom mirror because what else is TikTok for? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. I'm going to go check you out on TikTok right now. All right, Dr. Rhodes, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you.
0: Yeah, it's been such a great time. Thanks for having me.
1: And thanks to everyone that tuned in. We will see you next time.
2: Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.